Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Now, tonight we only have one guest, and that guest is the one and only Luke Pearson of Indigenous X fame. I thought I'd get Luke on again because it would seem that like a case of gout or a nasty unexplained rash, the culture wars in this country have flared up again. This time it's reared its ugly head in a couple of places, one being the Australian Senate, which seems to be its natural home a lot of the time, and the other being, of course, the echo chamber that is the far-right punditry in this country, mainly Sky After Dark and, and The Australian. Why would you listen to Sky, why would you watch Sky After Dark when you can listen to Triple R is my, uh, my question to you this evening that you might want to ponder. Uh, yesterday, for instance, the coalitions, coalition centres voted with One Nation to pass Pauline Hanson's motion calling for the government to reject critical race theory. Now, we've spoken about critical race theory on this show before, but they've passed a motion to get it banned from the national education curriculum. Hanson's motion, which passed 30 votes to 28 and was opposed by the Greens and Labor, has no real effect. As with most things that One Nation does in various chambers across the country, it was largely a meaningless exercise, as, of course, critical race theory isn't part of the school curriculum. Uh, But she did succeed in highlighting why the theory exists in the first place. So good on you, Pauline. The other salvo in the culture wars, of course, relates to uh, Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu. Now, I haven't read, you may have seen reports throughout the week, pretty hard to miss on the weekend, but um, I haven't read the book uh, that is written by two anthropologists who are disputing some of the claims made in Dark Emu, so I can't comment on the veracity of those counterclaims. But what we can comment on is how elements of the punditry have leapt on the newly released book and the multi-page spread it was given in the Age in Sydney Morning Herald over the weekends. Um, as they are now using that book to proclaim the Dark Emu is a work of fiction. Now, if I were a betting man, I'd be tipping that most of them actually haven't read the book. But uh, when has truth diligence and information ever gotten in the way of binary, he said, she said, national debates. My view is that no work of history, popular or otherwise, is beyond scrutiny. Uh, My view is that there has to be a place beyond the slanging match in histrionics when questioning history. So therefore, we have to think beyond all of that. And it requires us to actually move to a more nuanced and considered thought process, which of course is something that is so sadly lacking in so many aspects of our national debate and important matters that surround them at the moment. And I guess that's where sites like uh, sites and organisations like Indigenous X come in, and hopefully that's where shows like The Mission come in, where we actually go into some of these issues in a more deep, deep, nuanced way and try and be entertaining at the same time because some of these issues are really heavy. So I'll be playing a pre-recorded interview from earlier on today with uh, Luke Pearson, in which, in which we discuss some of the aforementioned matters. So please stick around. Now, as always, the best way to get in contact with me is via Twitter, and my handle is at Mr. DT James. Now, Luke Pearson is a Gamalaroi man living in New South Wales. He's also the founder and CEO of Indigenous X, the social media project. He's a passionate 
and he's a passion about Indigenous education, literacy, numeracy, social media, identity, and excellent. He is a educator himself. And we have a conversation here about an article that was penned by him and Natalie Crom on indigenousx.com.au over the weekend, in which they go into an explainer as to what critical race theory is, I guess, from in layman's terms, given that it's receiving such prominence in the national debate at the moment. Uh, I spoke to him from his home in the central coast of New South Wales while I was here in my ivory tower in in a city in Melbourne. Uh, I've got to play the interview now. Uh, enjoy. Luke Pearson, welcome back to the mission. Great to be back. Thanks for having us, Rob. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Now, more often than not, Luke, you find yourself, <laughs> whether you like it or not, <laughs> in the midst of the uh, the tiresome old culture wars that spring up about the place every now and then. And, and the most recent one, or the one to re- rear its uh, ugly head yet again, is this opposition to a thing called critical race theory. Um, the, the government sided with one nation in the Senate, um, either yesterday or the day before, basically condemning critical race theory as a thing um, and also misrepresenting that it's actually a part of the curriculum. Can you give me and the listeners a rundown as to what critical race theory actually is? Um, I mean... Not not as well as other people can. Uh, probably that's why yeah, Natalie Crom and I wrote an article uh, about what critical race theory isn't, uh, highlighting all the things that people are saying about it that it definitely is not. Uh, because I'm I'm not an expert in all of the things that it is. You know, it's this academic theory that comes out of legal studies in the 1970s in America, uh, looking for you know how after the civil rights era. Uh, a lot of racism was still embedded and a lot of the anti-racist philosophy around taking racism out of the laws and then how people could use the law to combat racism weren't necessarily working and then it morphed from that into a broader theory, not just within legal studies. And that's where, you know, like I've, I've, I've read bits, but I'm not the one writing those papers of that history. Yeah. Um, so for me, though, what, what I can say is when someone comes out and it's like, um, you know, what's the stuff going on where it's like uh, critical race theory is the modern-day eugenics. It's like, yeah, no, no it's not. No. Like with white, white supremacy and eugenics was the idea that race was a biological construct and so some races are superior and other races are inferior. Uh, CRT, critical race theory, has as one of its like core tenets that race is not biological, it's socially constructed, uh, and as such, can be socially you know, destructive. Like we can we can get rid of racism; it doesn't need to be there. Um, so you know things like that. I, I know enough, and that was the nature of our article: was you, you don't. We can't all be academics and be experts in this stuff, but a lot of it's pretty common sense that you can put in and go, "Oh no, it's actually." Not that it's the opposite of what you're saying. It is. Um, it is so, a most yeah. excellent article, and if you want to listen, uh, read it. You can go to indigenousx.com.au, and you'll find it there uh, very prominently. Um, one of the things that we were talking about off air just before Luke was that there are sections of the media that have made careers for people out of opposing things like CRT, um, made empires out of misrepresenting issues. Um, around race. In some ways, critical race theory, which 
really took off as a, as an issue, a cultural war issue. You know, when Fox News started opposing it and, and talking about it, in, in many ways, <laughs> absurdly, uh, critical race theory has actually built empires for people. Yeah, well, on, on the wrong side of it, like yeah. the, the academics slugging away over the last one, you know, say 40, 50 years doing the work, um, are probably sitting there going like, wow, yeah, this this thing that you're coming overnight, uh, success in all of the wrong ways. Everyone knows the words, but no one knows the work. Yeah. Um, and so that is, it's always disappointing when you see things that people actually take seriously and dedicate time to being so willfully misrepresented um, and and there are there are people who are very happily exploiting it, you know, cashing in on it, uh, stirring up fear and animosity, um, you know, for their own purposes, be they political purposes, be they getting clicks on a website, you know, however it is that people are, you know, strategically utilizing. Not not just this, man. I mean, the same as you know the way that I, I think as. Aboriginal people who work in these spaces, we're used to being misrepresented. Yeah. Um, it's so much of what we do and so much of the work Indigenous X does is, you know, unfortunately, it's just like, look, here's the thing they're saying. This is why that obviously isn't true. Um, and here's some indication of a bit of clarity, at least from my perspective. So, you know, I never try to speak on behalf of all Bob, but it's like, look, that's definitely not how I see it. I, in fact, see that, you know, when they were saying like 18C, takes away your free space yeah. or uh, your, your free speech or um, people who want to change the date of Australia Day think that that will fix all the world's problems. And it's like, that's none, none of that is what we're saying or doing. Um, and that, you know, like we were talking about offline, I think it really gets to the heart of so much stock that people put into this idea that the best way to eliminate racism is education. Um, and that gets back to the core of like looking at our structures and our institutions, because to say that education is the cure is to suggest that racism only exists out of ignorance. When what we're talking about is people very willfully uh, misrepresenting issues, um, exploiting people's fears, exploiting the very racism that we're trying to oppose to say, you don't need to listen to these people. They're lying. They're cheating. They don't believe what they say. I guess. Um, um, that's, I guess. I guess. Uh, you know, probably the the classic example of that sort of misrepresentation and blowing. You know, making mountains out of molehills is 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 the tiresome debate around dark emu at the moment. You wrote a yeah. um, you know a, a lengthy Twitter thread um, in relation to that. I think it was last week. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on on the the that debate as to where it has gone with the release of that um, that new book from those anthropologists. Yeah, like I said, it's the problem of there's there's an actual debate between anthropologists and scientists and historians about you know the the representation of sources and the topics and what what did or did not happen in history and how is it being framed. Um, and then there's this social uh, conversation, this this idea that. Yeah, the ABC are spreading these lies and the, the campaign of, of Andrew Bolt and a few other people that, you know, it's really hard to separate Andrew Bolt's campaign against Dark Emu from the campaign he led against, you know, white-coded Aboriginal people where he, you know, told lies about a group of individual people, yep. uh, which is the reason why he was found in breach of 18C. And, you have and to, so to say you, that... You have to... So, you have to 
go so far out of your way <laughs> to mm. breach 18C that oh, it's 18D is yeah the list of exemptions in 18D is incredible. like if you believe it if it's in the public interest so we're talking we're talking about the racial discrimination discrimination act and there are two yeah, clauses sorry. there are two sorry. clauses in it one is 18C and that's something that the conservative side of politics has been trying to um, abolish um, for for as long as we can remember um, and then there's yeah. 18D which has a whole bunch of caveats that um, protect people from um, transgressing the Racial Discrimination Act that makes it almost impossible to, to be found in breach of it. And yet our friend Andrew Bolt found himself. Found a way. Found a way. Man's um, a genius. And that's where it's funny, you see the you know, demanding apologies from the ABC. It's like, I don't think you ever apologised for you know, racially vilifying a group of Aboriginal people. Yeah. Um, in fact, he put a lot of effort into pretending that he didn't and that it was his free speech that was being impinged. And that's... Where it's really hard for you know for young people or for people who are just like oh I don't know about you know Andrew Bold or Sky News or critical race theory or these ongoing culture wars because like you turn up and you go okay what's the issue and then suddenly you and me are going well this thing happened ten years ago yeah. and this thing happened forty years before that and then this is the history of white supremacy over the past five hundred years and you kind of need to understand little bits of all of that. Uh, if you're going to catch up with with where the story is now, it's like you know turning on Bold and the Beautiful in its 50th year. I have long as been around going. So who's that guy and who are they cheating on? <laughs> um, it's you know, there's so much backstory and most of it is boring and tedious and crap. Um, and that's where again, you know, I, I try to come in with a bit of levity uh, where I can just to keep myself sane um, and go. Look, is if you're confused by what's going on, or if you're interested, or if you just want to have a laugh. And, and like the way we talk about things, uh, hopefully this helps. Well, in the, in the article, you you raise a um, an often forgotten part of Australian history, and that is that uh, Pauline Hanson was runner-up in season one of Dancing with the Stars. Now, not many people would know that. She was. No, that was an obscure throwback, but I think an important <laughs> thing that all we should all remember <laughs> and keep close to our hearts. Um, but, you know, it's, having to talk about these people who are just – so not serious, you know. And it's like how how do you treat seriously people who, again, either just are incapable of understanding or willfully misrepresent? And so, you know, the the teacher in me to sit back and having to explain, no, we don't want to steal your backyard. No, we don't. You know, whatever it might be, um, it, it, it's really hard and, and infuriating, and that's where. Um, you know, trying to have a, a bit of a laugh with it while hopefully uh, having a positive impact on the discourse. Um, you know, sometimes that's the best you can hope to do. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's really the only way to keep sane for, for some of us because um, I think that's why so many of mob are, are inherently funny because if you don't laugh, mm-hmm. you'll just cry. And uh, um, the, the the article that you've written on in Indigenous X is um, – uh, very, very. It's got a lot of levity. It's very funny. It's very lighthearted. But it gets to the core of the issue, and the core of the issue is, and I guess the heart of the issue is, to understand critical race theory, you need to ask yourself one question, and that question is, is racism something that you know individuals do throughout society, or is it a team sport? Is it a construct that is built into yeah. the heart of our institutions and our society? Now, anyone who thinks 
deeply about these issues knows that there is a thing called systemic racism. And so therefore, critical race theory is a way of framing that and, and thinking about that. And that's all it is. It's not something that is going to, like you said, steal people's backyards. It's not uh, a black supremacy thing. It's not um, uh, anti-white. It's just a, a way of thinking about how racism works in society. Yeah, and, and it involves those those starting points of, which again, you know, are so easy to recognise and so well documented, but that idea of, you know, racism from the individual, how do we as a society respond to that? Um, and, you know, there are so many examples where you can be like, okay, well, here's someone who might have lost their job for being racist in a public eye, but here's someone else who is, you know, being elected because of it, who's given their own TV show because of it, who's rallying all of this support by being racist. And so... Um, then that question of, you know, when we understand that racism is not this obscure anomaly on the fringes, but is actually, you know, intimately woven through a society and very intentional. You know, like racism is not a, a byproduct yeah. of Western civilization. It was one of the core principles of it for a very long time, well within living memory. And while, you know, the civil rights era um, has, has helped to shine a light on that and try to eliminate some of that, we haven't got there yet. We're not at that Harmony Day utopia point. Um, but then when we're saying, well, wh- how does racism operate in this space or where does it, how does it play a part into this conversation or this society or this generation? Or yeah, There's still room for interpretation. Like it is a theory. It, it is a, a way of you know, considering elements at play and then looking for solutions to those problems. And that's something we're trying to highlight in the article is the, the opposition to critical race theory is just saying, no, racism is is gone. It's only now a, a matter of bad individuals and when they're racist, we can point at them and say, you're bad. And then that's it. There is no you know, intergenerational trauma or disadvantage. There's no ongoing constructs of white privilege benefiting certain people over other people. And again, it's not the only thing, you know, class, income, education, like all of these other gender, sexuality, you know, so many things, age, whatever it may be, they don't, they don't stop existing in critical race theory. You know, critical race theory just says these are core factors that have been such an influence on our society. So it's worth exploring. Did we actually get rid of racism in the civil rights era, or did we not? And because we still face such overrepresentation in so many of the negative outcomes in society and underrepresented in the halls of power, it seems like a very worthy question. Because if you say, no, racism doesn't exist anymore, so therefore you know, every negative outcome impacted on Aboriginal people is just a matter of that's your fault individually yeah and that plays out so you finally you find yourself saying well we're a meritocracy white people are overrepresented at the top because they work hard and are smart and that's the core principle of what white supremacy was saying in the first place exactly the, the idea so, the, the idea of um merit is another discussion that we could speak for hours about yeah. um because 
uh, if you look at um, some of some of the people that have risen to the, the highest echelons of society, and if you think that they're there yeah. by merit alone, then you need to have a good hard look at yourself. Now, this is one of the reasons we have you you you, you set up Indigenous X, um, Luke, yeah. and, and one of the reasons I, I I have this show is so that we can have these conversations. So people listening or reading articles can go away, and so when someone mentioned something like critical race theory in a in a conversation you're just a little bit informed about what it is and what it isn't um and i guess that's that's at the heart of indigenous x for you luke you're an educator and and that's that's the way that's why you set up indigenous x in the first place is just to drive that sort of education around some of these subjects that people hear a lot about but don't actually understand a lot about yeah, and, and not just purely from that educational thing, but from that, that storytelling perspective of it's important that people are giving, given platforms and, and places where they can talk about issues freely, um, yeah. whereas so much, I think, of Indigenous involvement in the media in the past has been, even though you, know, you can work really hard not to be seen as speaking on behalf of all Aboriginal people, so many non-Indigenous people have such little access to Indigenous voices that they're invariably going to base all of their assumptions on your comments or use it against someone else. You know, we've, we've all heard, but I heard an Aboriginal person yeah. who said, yep. it's like, yes, people have different opinions. You shouldn't be that shocked by that. Um, so, you know, just a, a place where, and that's you know, gets to the heart of what I was talking about earlier. You know, a big thing for me is it's like, you don't have to agree with me but I, I really hope that people go, this is a, a man who believes what he says. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's all I ask for from, from anyone is you know, hear what I have to say, know that I am speaking to the best of my ability as honestly as I can. Yeah, if you, um, and if you're going to disagree, you can ask of if you're going to disagree with anyone on any particular point of view, make sure that you have some reason and facts to back up your position, um, and do it yeah. and do it in a in a in a you know kind and polite way, and Luke, the world will be yeah. a better place. All all we can ask, Fred, and and it is, it's you know, Indigenous X. I I really hope um, has played its part in. You know, breaking down that homogenous view of of Indigenous people is, you know, helping to give Mob a good experience of talking to an audience who are actually interested in them as an individual person and not just as a blanket, you know, speaking on behalf of all all people. Um, and and for myself, yeah, like I said, you know, because when I write for Indigenous X, I'm writing from my background and my experience. I am. I'm, I'm teacher trained. Yeah. Um, I have a love of sharing knowledge and imparting and helping people understand something um, that they you know, might have been having trouble with or, or you know, found inaccessible for whatever reason. Uh, demystifying that, removing obstacles from that, and and helping people on their journey. Um, no, I, I love it. Yeah. No, you've uh, you've done well. You've done well, son. Um, <clears throat> the, the website is indigenousx.com.au uh, You can follow Luke on Twitter And I encourage you to do so Just for the uh, conversations he's having Between himself and Warren Mundine at the moment um, <laughs> At Luke Al Pearson at Twitter And of course if you want to follow The, the, the Twitter handle itself for Indigenous X It's just at Indigenous X Which is um, a uh, rotating hosted um, I guess Twitter handle that is hosted By different uh, blackfellas from across the country uh, 
week in, week out. And if you want to get yourself some diverse views and some diverse opinions and get a, a broader idea of, of how we are one mob, but we don't always disagree and we have various views and various things, go and follow that Twitter handle because it's brilliant. Yeah. Luke? Well, I think it's important, you know, making jokes about what you just said. It's like Warren's hosted it in the past. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a platform <laughs> that is there for the diversity of views, uh, for better or worse sometimes, but we'll, we'll be 10 in March. So 10 already? Um, yeah, if you're not following. Yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> just flown by. That's nearly as uh, old as Twitter, eh? <laughs> well, only a few years behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, with the, with the longest running, rotating account on Twitter. That's fantastic. Yep, done so well with it. Yeah. Um, like I said, go and follow Cheers, it, IndigenousX on Twitter or just go to indigenousx.com.au and you'll have a myriad of articles that you can read through from people from all backs of uh, all walks of life and all backgrounds. Um, but, Luke, I'll let you get back to it. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.